This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, which of course means today is Tuesday, which of course means I'm coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, exclusively on RadioInfluence.com, as I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and then available for downloads on iTunes. Hey, I just got a recap. Last week's show, I talked about the three teen females, the black teen uh, females down in, in Florida, 15 and 16-year-old respectively, who had stolen a car, ran from police. The car ended up in a pond, and you know the community was trying to blame the police officers for what happened to those females. I gave an in-depth look at what really happened, what really went down, what the officers were responsible for, what they weren't responsible for. At the end of the day, the officers were not responsible for the deaths of those teens. It was the, the teens' actions that led to their death. And I got a lot of positive feedback from last week's show. There was someone that actually reached out to me and made a point of what I said about officers not being trained to swim. And it's not a job requirement that they have to be Olympic swimmers. She didn't understand why the police didn't actually help the females the way that she thought they should have until I actually broke it down like that. And she reached out to me, I believe, via Twitter or email, I can't remember, and wanted to thank me for breaking it down the way I did because it's true, it is not a requirement for a police officer to be able to swim. This isn't the U.S. Navy, this isn't the Navy SEALs, this is the police. And 99.9% .9 of the time, police do not encounter a suspect jumping in the lake, a suspect running into the lake, or anything like that, so it's not a job requirement. But I want to thank everyone for the positive feedback for last week's show. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, it is in the archives on RadioInfluence.com. It is available at iTunes.com. I urge you to listen to that show. Now, those that have been following me know that I've been in broadcasting school, and that is about to come to an end. We actually graduate this Thursday, May the 12th. I cannot wait. It's been very exhausting very, very strenuous, three nights a week, 6 to 10 p.m., on top of my day job, on top of this podcast, on top of my commitments to telling stories on the news, on top of being a single dad. I've been doing that for the last few months, so it's taken a lot out of me, but it will certainly pay off in the end. I'll be certified again to do broadcasting here in the state of Georgia, and a lot of people still ask me, well, Vince, why did you take this class? Why did you spend money on this class? We always see you on TV. We always hear you on the radio. We always see your tweets. You're out there. You're doing breaking news. But, you know, it's easy to talk on a podcast. It's easy to stand in front of a camera, wait for them to point to you, say your talking points, and go home for the day. But I wanted to be able to say, yes, I can produce. I can edit. I can direct. I can write. I can do everything because that makes me a more valuable player. Kind of like 
LeBron on the Cavs. He's their MVP. He's been spanking the Atlanta Hawks in this playoff series. Uh, so I just wanted to be that MVP, the guy that you know a network could look at and say, yes, he can do it all. Not only can he talk behind the scenes into a microphone, not only can he talk on camera, but he can do it all. He can bring this to the table, and that's what I wanted to do. And it's about to pay off this Thursday, May 12th, 6 p.m. graduation. I thank God that I've made it this far. I thank my classmates. I thank my son for putting up with me for the last few months of basically being gone three nights a week. Besides just coming in right before he goes to bed. I want to thank him for being a trooper. I appreciate him. I love him for that. And I assure him it will pay off for the both of us in the long run. Now I want to switch gears on tonight's show just a little bit, not too much, but just a little bit, and talk about what some people claim I don't talk about enough, and it's bad cops, but I want to talk about it from a different angle, um, and there's a lot going on in policing, you know, there's this uh, Jason Lai, a Vietnamese, I believe, officer in San Francisco, who is being accused of sexual assault, and based on that case, a lot of his text messages came out. And those text messages, which is kind of funny because he's not technically what you would consider an American citizen himself, Jason Lai from Vietnam. Uh, there's a lot of racial text messages in there about Indian people, of course, black people, uh, homosexuals, and things of that nature. Some of the same things I'm sure his ancestors went through, and maybe he even went through as a small child, again, being Vietnamese and having named Jason Lai. I'm sure he probably encountered some racism in his lifetime. But anyway, there were a lot of negative uh, emails, or I'm sorry, text messages that he had sent to other officers and to family and friends. And, you know, that kind of put San Francisco back in the spotlight because about a year ago they went through the same scandal about racist text messages between a lot of officers back and forth. And it actually called into question the shooting of Mario Woods. A lot of people have claimed that to be racially motivated, although I've watched that tape countless times. And Mario Woods, who was black, who was shot by white officers, was armed with a knife. And he approached officers after being given several commands of dropping the knife. So we can play that race game if we want. We can blame it on these text messages if we want, the homophobics and the ends that were mentioned in these text messages, but to me that was a clean shoot. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. But you got Jason Lai, he's a San Francisco police officer involved in a rape case, or I'm sorry, sexual assault case. These text messages pop up, so that brings into question the entire accountability of San Francisco Police Department, over 200 cases that this officer has worked, including a murder case, whether it was racially motivated or not. And that evidence is not out. I don't know. Did he plant evidence? Did he falsify documents? I don't know. I don't want to accuse him of that. Again, I don't think one has to do with the other, but it's being called into question. And recently, last week, here in Georgia, in DeKalb County, which is actually the county I reside in, here in what most people consider Atlanta, Georgia, just depending on what side of the street. You may be Fulton, you may be Cobb, 
you may be DeKalb County. I happen to reside in Cap, Cop, uh, I'm sorry, DeKalb County, and a DeKalb County officer, former officer, uh, Vincento Gums, G-U-M-B-S, was actually arrested as part of a federal indictment that spanned over several states of racketeering, murder for hire, credit card fraud, uh, drug trafficking, you name it. It was this huge federal indictment that spanned over multiple states involving the gangster disciples. Now, this officer, former officer, actually resigned back in October after someone accused him of drug use while on the job. And during this indictment, he actually was called the hitman for the gangster disciples here in the Atlanta area. And he admitted to killing people. He admitted to uh, tipping gang members off of impending police activity that was coming their way so that, of course, they could get their evidence, their drugs, whatever, out of the way before police raided certain areas. And, you know, he'd been on the department for a while. Before that, he was from St. Thomas. His dad is a police officer there who's actually a police chaplain. He was actually a police officer there. He was in charge of training new recruits in St. Thomas. And here he is, here in DeKalb County, admitting to being a hitman for one of the biggest gangs in the world, one that started in Chicago, <laughs> and we know about Chicago's history, one that started in Chicago back in the 70s, the late 70s, the Gangster Disciples. If you're not familiar with them, I urge you to read up on it. So I don't care where you live, where you think you live, where you think you're safe. This gang problem is bigger than you think, and it's more hidden and more organized than what you may think because this investigation went on for several years, and me being in the credit card business as my day job never would have put two and two together to think that the gangster disciples were actually behind some of the credit card fraud that I see here in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. But this is what the indictment said. So you got Jason Lee, or I'm sorry, Jason Lai in San Francisco. You got Officer Gomes here in DeKalb County. Obviously, bad officers. And I'll go even one further. When I was in the police academy in Nashville, Tennessee, there was a police recruit who was actually one of my squad leaders. I was the assistant class president. He was a squad leader. I go to the academy the Friday before we graduate. We're going to do our weapons qualification, our last weapons qualification, and my squad leader is not there. So one of the instructors, Ed Lawrence, love that guy to death, comes in and he says, well, a Metro police officer, Nashville Metro police officer, was arrested today for child pornography. We're like, what? Well, that's really messed up. But he says, correction, he would have been a Metro police officer come this Monday. His name is Matthew Coster, Matthew Lyle Coster, if you want to look it up, if you don't believe me, was arrested for countless incidents of child pornography. I mean, he had videos, he had emails, he had just all of this sick stuff and we were just flabbergasted as a class, and I was really flabbergasted and sickened and hurt and angry as a father because I can remember taking my two-year-old son to our class party right before graduation, and he kept touching my son on the head. Oh, he's such a cute little boy, blah, 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 blah. 
but he was two. And who thinks that this guy who, during the police academy, when everyone goes around the room and talks about what they want to do in the department, and most people like myself are saying vice, and some people are saying homicide, and some people are saying bomb squad, and some people are saying robbery, Matt Coster was always saying, I want to work, work youth services so I can look after the kids. And it sickened me as a father, it sickened me as an officer. Well, I wasn't an officer until we graduated, but it sickened me to know that this guy, his sole intention when he wanted to go work youth services was to be able to take advantage of children. Who does that? Who says, yes, I want to protect and serve these children, but at the same time, I have countless pictures, countless emails, countless letters to little boys about having sexual relations with them. Who does that? So, my point is this, that I'm getting around to with these three officers. And when someone here in Georgia read about the officer that got indicted as being the hitman for or for the gangster disciples, they sent me a text message and they said, hey, have you heard about the officer that got arrested for being a hitman for the gang? And I'm thinking, well, of course, I'm kind of in the news business. It's kind of my job to even keep up with the news. And it may be a good story I can talk about on this show eventually, so of course I know about it. So she asked me, she said, well, why didn't the police department suspect that? Wouldn't they have known? And I talked about this once before on uh, D.L. Hughley radio show. And I can't remember what case it was about, but it was something about a racist cop. And um, how come the department didn't know this guy was racist and all this other good stuff? Well, how come Nashville police didn't know Matt Coster was a pedophile? How come San Francisco police didn't know Jason Lai is a racist or a possible rapist? How come the Cab County police didn't know this guy was a hitman for the gangster disciples? Well, it's simple. It's just like any other job application, any other, let's say, gun application. When you're applying for that gun application to have your carry permit, even though there's that question there that says, are you mentally capable or have you been deemed mentally incapable? Whatever the question is, I filled it out because I am a Second Amendment gun-carrying American citizen who has a carry permit to carry a gun. I filled it out. Now, I can honestly say I've never been committed to a mental facility. I've never thought about going to a mental facility. I've never really had any of those crazy moments. But... Let's say I had, and I went to the gun store to fill this application out. Do you actually think, if my objective is to get a gun, that I'm going to say, yep, I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and I take little blue pills every day at 8 o'clock in the morning to keep my sanity? No, I'm not going to say that. It's just like the reporter who, in Virginia, killed the other two reporters after he had been fired. He bought that gun legally, and he had to answer the same question. Have you been committed? Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy, but look what he did. He went out and killed two of his former co-workers on live TV. 
So, yeah, he was crazy. And it's the same in policing. When Jason Lai filled out an application, first of all, there's nothing on the police application that says, are you racist? Do you have racial tendencies? Do you have any friends that are racist? Do you like black people? Do you like white people? You... Those are questions you really can't ask, and if you could, they're not on an application. So, he applies for San Francisco Police. He meets the qualifications. He gets hired. He goes to the academy. A few years later, stuff comes up that has to do with a rape charge. Matt Coster, same thing. I can tell you, when I applied for Nashville Police, it didn't ask me, do you like little boys? Do you want to have sex with little boys? Do you want to have pictures of little boys? It doesn't ask me stuff like that. This guy here in DeKalb County, it doesn't ask, are you a gangbanger? Well, correction, it does ask certain questions. Have you been convicted of a felony? Are you associated with any known criminals? But here's the thing, it goes back to the gun and trying to buy a gun at a gun store. If my objective is to become a police officer, do you think I'm going to write down that, yeah, I know Pookie and them from the Gangster Disciples, and sometimes I kill people for them, and sometimes I take money from them to do favors. Do you actually think I'm going to do that if my objective is to become a police officer? No. I'm going to sit here and play the game. Nope. I'm not associated with Pookie and them. I don't know them. I don't know anybody in the gang. I'm a perfect citizen who wants to protect and serve. That's what people do to get these jobs. And 99% of the people that apply for policing, that is the honest to God's truth. They are, for all intents and purposes, good people who want to protect and serve. Do they have stuff in their past? I'm sure they do. We all have stuff in our past. Like Paula Dean, who got in trouble for using the N-word 30 years ago. Well, trust me, being in the Army 20-something years ago, there's some things I said that I probably would not ever want to come to light. Everybody has that in their past. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. So let's look at Matt Coster. How did Nashville Police not know? Well, I can tell you, every police department in this world, or at least in this country of the United States, every recruit has to pass a psychological evaluation. Now, again, it goes back to the line of questioning. There's not questions there that say, do you have fantasies of sleeping with little boys? It's not there. Now, I can tell you I got asked five different ways if I had fantasies of sleeping with my mom in a roundabout way. There was no question there that says, hey, do you not like white people? It's not there. So for Jason Lee, he didn't get that question asked by the department shrink. Hey, do you hate black people? Do you hate Indians? Are you homophobic? Those questions aren't there because really and truthfully, those are personal questions that are built into who you are as a person. They're taught to you from an early age. And for a department, which is an employer, to start asking those questions, then you're probably going to get into discrimination cases. Well, they wouldn't hire me because they said, I don't like gay people. 
or they wouldn't hire me because they said I didn't like black people because one time I used the n-word 30 years ago amongst friends so they wouldn't hire me you're gonna start running into a lot of lawsuits about why this person wasn't hired because again we can talk race and policing we can talk all of this but at the end of the day one doesn't really have to do with the other so Matt Coster passes the psychological evaluation gets hired by Nashville police goes to the police academy I sat by him I used to call him and say hey man we're going out for drinks as most police officers do most police recruits do when we're not training we're drinking eh, it happens we weren't drunks but we like to get out every once in a while and Matt would always say nah I got something to do with the kids I'm coaching the kids I'm doing this with the kids which I thought was commendable I thought it was great I never had any idea that Matt Coster was taking pictures of little boys that he was keeping this stuff on his computer that he had letters to little eight-year-old boys never crossed my mind so was Nashville police accountable responsible for this would they have been responsible had he got onto the the department and eventually got into youth services I'm sure there's people that would have wanted to blame the department but the department didn't know I assure you the department didn't know those that were closest to Matt ie me who now if I saw him would smack him in his face for touching my son on the head I certainly would smack him right in his face but the people closest to Matt did not know what was going on in his head I'm sure the officers in DeKalb County did not know that this officer who says he's killed people for the gangster disciples was doing that now I wonder how he killed them did he like pull a car over and shoot someone and say they reach for a gun or did he do it outside of uniform I assume it was outside of uniform because I don't remember his name ever coming up in any officer involved shootings but did his officers know no did the Cab County Police know no they didn't did San Francisco PD know that this Jason Lye was texting racial comments to his other friends no because he did it on his personal phone which it's his personal phone whatever he decides to do on his personal phone it's his business it's his right he pays the bill but everyone wants to hold the department accountable for his actions everyone wants to look at DeKalb County and say uh oh they had to have known no they didn't know but here's where departments get in trouble here's where departments become liabilities for themselves and for the citizens when an officer has had multiple multiple complaints of something ie excessive force ie racial undertones ie sexual assault allegations and that department does nothing that is when the department and those in charge of that department need to be held accountable when I look at a city like Chicago in this video I just watched from I think maybe a year or so ago where there was a minister Reverend Catherine Brown who was driving her vehicle 
down an alleyway heading towards her garage and there was a police car traveling at a high rate of speed without blue lights and siren in the other direction of the alleyway of course they were heading towards each other and they almost hit each other and you can see it clearly on the dash cam video and uh, the two officers get out and start yelling at the driver the minister and you know some choice words were thrown from the officers so at some point the minister becomes scared she backs her car out because she's in a dark alley and drives onto the street stops the car I guess for her safety she was scared then of course they yank her out of the car they beat her it's all caught on tape everything's there so some people can argue well the officers were justified in giving chase it really wasn't a chase in my opinion I've watched the video uh, but the two officers were Michelle Mercy uh, Murphy and the other officer was Jose Lopez both Chicago police officers both have been on for quite some time but of course they charged her with uh, resisting arrest and a few other things fleeing and all that stuff the cases the charges were dropped because once the court watched the dash cam video it was clear that that wasn't the case so you look at these two officers who between the two have had 30 previous complaints from citizens about police brutality at one, what point does it become Chicago's police? Now, here's a city that has been in the spotlight for the last few years based on their police tactics and based on what they're doing to people. At what point does the city of Chicago and even the mayor, Rahm Emanuel, say these officers do not need to be police here because it is bad for the city it is bad for this department to have them here we're looking at 30 complaints between the two so let's half it up let's dutch it 15 apiece in my career I had zero and I was on for just about six years I know officers that have been on for 20 plus years that had no complaints of excessive force or racially charged incidents so you have two cops and you can actually see Lopez in the video, the dash cam video, when Officer Murphy sprays the minister, you can actually see him chuckling, laughing as he looks back at the dash cam video. That was sickening to me simply because it could have been de-escalated. It could have been explained right there in the alley. Hey, we apologize for coming down this alley at a high rate of speed almost hitting you oh officer I apologize that we almost hit each other this is my driveway I'm just going to my garage but it didn't happen you have two rogue cops and you might as well call them rogue because 30 complaints of excessive force you have two rogue cops beating up on a minister who was simply driving to her garage through the alleyway at what point does the city of Chicago become liable for those officers and anything that they do from this point forward? It's the city of Chicago, the city of Chicago Police Department, the Office of Professional Accountability, the mayor's office, to make sure that these officers don't end up doing something that 
They cannot come back from. So let's take it a step further. These officers eventually killed someone. Let's say it's a black person. Let's say it's a Hispanic person. I don't care if it's a Chinese person. Let's say they kill someone. And it's questionable. Do you not think the family, the family's attorney, is not going to have every right to say, Mr. Mayor, you knew these officers were bad. There's 30 complaints between the two, but yet you let them stay on the department. So then guess what happens to the good taxpaying citizens of the city of Chicago? They end up paying the 10, 20, 30 million dollar settlement to this family because these officers aren't going to have 10, 20, 30 million dollars to pay it. So the good law-abiding taxpaying citizens of Chicago will end up doing this because the city of Chicago, the police department, the mayor's office at not one point said these officers are bad apples. They are a bad representation of what the Chicago police department is all about and they need to be terminated. So here's the thing, Nashville police did that with Matt Coster. They did it immediately. They didn't wait to say, well, maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe if he gets 30 more charges of kitty porn, we'll eventually arrest him. No, no. They protected the reputation of the Nashville Police Department in the city of Nashville, and they didn't put themselves at any kind of odd other than getting rid of Matt Coster. DeKalb County Police, once the allegation of the drug use came against who is now a admitted hitman for gangster disciples, DeKalb County Police got rid of them because they wanted to protect the reputation of that police department. Jason Lai, the city of San Francisco, got rid of him because they wanted to protect the integrity and the reputation of the San Francisco Police Department. So to answer the original question, why do departments not know? People are really good at hiding stuff. It's easy to hide racism. It's easy to hide your homophobic views. It's easy to hide that you beat your wife. It's easy to hide that you like little boys. And like that you like kitty porn. Those things are easy to hide. But my point to all of this is, once a department finds out, once they have wind of it, it is their responsibility to act on it and act accordingly. Now, should there be an investigation? Absolutely. But during that investigation, you best believe somebody should be suspended, somebody should be sitting behind a desk, somebody with 30 excessive force complaints shouldn't be out patrolling the streets until all of those claims are either unfounded, which means they can go walk the street, work the street again, are founded, which means they need to be terminated. And if criminal charges exist and are warranted, then bring criminal charges. When police departments fail to act on these allegations, such as in Chicago with those two officers and 30 complaints of excessive force, or an allegation of an officer sexual, sexually assaulting someone, or an allegation of racial text or homophobic text, or anything like that, when the department refuses to act on it and it's 
the same officer over and over and over again. They open themselves up, not only the department, but the city and all those involved to slander, bad reputation, and huge lawsuits. And the city, the taxpayers, they end up paying for it in the end. So to the people like Matt Coster, who like little boys and kiddie porn, and to the people like Gomes, who wants to be a hitman for a reputed gang, and to people like Officer Lee, who want to text messages about their hate for certain individuals and certain groups, to the officers in Chicago who have 30 complaints amongst the two of them for excessive force, I would suggest that you pick a different line of work because you can't uphold the law but break the law at the same time. It can't be done. It's unethical and the breaking of the law is illegal. So you took an oath to serve and protect and that oath means that you uphold the laws of your city, your state, and your government. It doesn't mean that I'm just going to use the part of the law I want like people that use the part of the Bible they want for their own good. good. Oh, well, Jesus said this, but I know he said this, but I'm still going to do it. You can't then say, well, I know the law says if someone kills someone, I need to arrest them, but then I'm going to go be a hitman for the gangster disciples. I know the law says if someone rapes someone, or sexually assaults them, I have to arrest them, but I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to send text messages about my hate. I know the law says if someone has child pornography, I need to arrest them, but I'm going to be in youth services to protect the kids while I take their pictures and touch on them. You can't do it. You can't uphold the law and break the law at the same time, and you give a bad reputation for the 99.9999999999999% of the good officers that are out there doing what they're supposed to do, but yet they have to deal with being called racist or being called whatever because of a small group of individuals that don't know how to act right. So either get your stuff together while you're doing that job, or go find another job where you don't have to worry about upholding the law. It's that simple. Now, the unfortunate part of this show, it's time for Roll Call. And for those that have never listened to this show before, this is the segment of the show where I discuss a police officer killed in the line of duty. And usually, the cases I discuss during Roll Call doesn't mean the officer had a heart attack or he choked on a donut and couldn't clear it and he passed away. I usually focus on when there's a bad guy involved and that bad guy's actions actually led to the death of a law enforcement officer. But before I even talk about the officer for tonight's roll call, I want to go over something that really, 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 really has me pissed off as a citizen, as a former police officer, as someone that knew someone that was there on the day of this incident. Now, several, several shows ago, I featured Officer Billy Boland in my roll call. He was a Nashville police officer, killed long ago, back in like 82, I believe. 
And my father-in-law, my ex-father-in-law, was actually there on the scene and actually saw Billy basically get his head blown off by a rifle. The suspect, Douglas Bell, was caught, charged, convicted, supposedly serving a life sentence. A life sentence because he was charged with murder and the attempted murder of his girlfriend that he shot in the house as well. Here we are. This happened in 82. In 1989, someone decided to parole Mr. Douglas Bell, who is now living as a, I guess you could call him a free man, he's on parole, but how do you serve less than eight years on a life sentence for murder of a police officer and attempted murder of your girlfriend, but yet you're out? There is a huge problem with that. Now granted, Douglas Bell's 88 years old. He's probably going to kick the bucket eventually soon. But irregardless of that, he killed a police officer in cold blood, blew his head in half. My ex-father-in-law, Louis Toth, was there that day. When I was there a couple of weeks ago in Nashville visiting, and I read the articles again, and when Lou split his hands, he put his hands together and split them apart and said that's how Billy's head was. That sickened me, but not as much as I was sickened to hear that the guy that killed him, Douglas Bell, is a free man. He served maybe seven years. Billy's family has been serving that sentence for over 30-something years because Billy will never be back. His widow, who remarried shortly after, who had just married Billy, will have to live with that for the rest of her life. So there's a problem with that, and if you don't see the problem, I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, tonight's roll call. Investigator Anthony T.J. Freeman, Bibb County Sheriff's Office, Georgia. And if you're not familiar with that, that's right around the Macon, Georgia area. Investigator T.J. Freeman was killed while his patrol car was ran by a suspect vehicle during a pursuit at approximately 3 a.m. Thursday, May 5, 2016. Another deputy had initiated the pursuit after encountering the suspicious vehicle that contained a wanted suspect. The pursuit traveled down Columbus Road where the fleeing vehicle drove into Investigator Freeman's vehicle at the intersection of Bonavista Drive. Investigator Freeman was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. His canine partner was in the vehicle at the time but was not injured. The wanted suspect was taken into custody with minor injuries. Investigator Freeman had served with the Macon Police Department and the Bibb County Sheriff's Department for a total of seven years and was assigned to the Narcotics Division. He is survived by his wife and two children. His wife and two children. Let me say that one more time. His wife and two children. All because this dodo bird, this individual, decided he did not want to go back to jail. Now, there's some that will still say, all police are bad. All police are racist. Yes, Officer Freeman was a white guy who happened to be in a police car. There's some that will say, yes, all police shoot people in the back. All police choke people to death. All police use excessive force. But let me say this one more time. He is survived by his wife 
and two children. He is survived by his wife and two children. Now, you can say what you want about police, but this officer, Investigator Freeman, was chasing a wanted suspect. Now, he was wanted for something. Now, he wasn't wanted because he may have been a black male. He wasn't wanted because he may have had dreads. He may have worn his pants down his waist. He wasn't wanted for any of that stuff that people will say, oh, they profiled him for because of this. No, he was wanted because he did a crime. Someone had taken a warrant out for him. And it's the police's job to arrest people with warrants. Last I checked, that's what I used to do when I was on the police department. Oh, you got a warrant? You're going to jail. Oh, well, that was a year ago. I don't care if it was 100 years ago. You have a warrant. My job, the state tells me I'm required to bring you before a judge. That's what we do. So he, Officer Freeman, was doing his job. The suspect decided to ram Officer Freeman's vehicle, and he died. The suspect had minor injuries. So for all those that will still say, police are bad people, just think of this. Call his wife and his two children and say he was a bad person when he was actually trying to protect the people of Bibb County and Macon from this wanted suspect. Call his, call his family up. Tell him. Tell him he was a bad person. Tell him he was just a white officer. Tell him that. Please do. You probably won't like the response you get. But to Officer Investigator Anthony T.J. Freeman, thank you for your service. My, fr- my prayers are with you, your family, your children, because that was one of the calls I prayed every night that my kids would not get, that I was killed in the line of duty. I thank you for your service. Godspeed to you. Thank you for listening. Next week, I will be a graduate of broadcasting school. I can't wait. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter. I've actually changed my Twitter handle. It's Vincent Hill TV, V-I-N-C-E-N-T-H-I-L-L-T-V. I've changed it. Just obvious reasons that I do a lot of TV and I wanted people to be able to find it that way instead of Vincent Hill Sr. So follow me on Twitter, Vincent Hill TV. I will see you next Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here on RadioInfluence.com. Thank you and good night. This has been Beyond the Badge with Vincent Hill on Radio Influence. When you are looking for everything going on in MMA, you want to come to the MMA Insiders Podcast as myself, Jason Floyd, and Sam Capital give you insight you cannot get anywhere else. I've done it all in this sport, a matchmaker, promoter, even an amateur fighter. If you're looking for the inside scoop and inside perspective you can't get anywhere else, MMA Insiders Podcast is your destination. Check out the MMA Insiders Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and RadioInfluence.com.